Hi everyone, welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and I'm here with my husband and co-host Jeremy. And today we are talking to Tyler. Get ready for a cool episode, guys. Today we welcome Tyler, general manager of 1.37pm, co-host of the podcast Court Talk, former VaynerMedia employee and former Gary V assistant. Throughout Tyler's life story, we cover many topics such as happiness, mindset, saying yes to opportunities, the importance of showing up, work ethic, curiosity, and much more. We had so much fun chatting with Tyler and recording this episode, and we hope you enjoy as well. Hi, Tyler. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm, yeah. I'm uh, honored to be here with you. Jeremy is like, little secret, guys. Jeremy is so excited. <laughs> so excited. I mean, we all are, but Jeremy especially. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pumped. It's always funny, those kind of episodes, because I watch you like... Now, every Wednesday, I tell Rosie I'm watching The Boys, and she know what I mean. Yeah, it's The Boys. Okay. <laughs> it's a, I, I, that I've been is watching very your podcast for like two years. And, I appreciate and, you know, it's, it. It's funny, because like, I feel like I see you every week. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very humbling, and I actually sit back and think sometimes about the podcast and the reach that it's you know now had, and I meet a lot of people, and... It's yeah, I'm very fortunate, and so thank you. I, I don't, I don't take that lightly. It's uh, we've had a fun run. We had a good recording this morning, so I'm excited to see uh, excited for the to, for the episode to come out tomorrow. Yeah, it's been like a fun mix of sports and randomness and sports cards. It's been cool. So you are in uh, New York. Yes. You're American. You've been to Penn State mm-hmm. uh, University. You've been working around the Gary V ecosystem for a few years. You've been his assistant. You're now general manager of 1.37 p.m. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, the reason I wanted to bring you on the show was to um, basically, you're 29, right? Jo- uh, 30, turned 30, 30 in oh, June. Yeah. So yep, 91, June 2nd, 91. So and June 2nd, I'll turn 31. and you know you're i feel from watching you every week uh you're doing something that you love very much so with people that you love in a very cool ecosystem and and i think you know there is lessons that can be learned here for people that you Mm -hmm. can do something you can have a nine to five and do something that you love deeply every single day and and work around your passion uh so this is something really I, i wanted to talk because we hear about those sad story about you know how the nine to five is always now nine to five is is being really like shit on you know like yeah that thing when actually you yeah. can have a job and be very happy with it <laughs> and For it's sure. something that you really love so mm-hmm. um, you know maybe let's start with just uh, yeah like where did you grow up and and stuff like that yeah I mean on the on the part about uh, you know from the outside you know, perspective and loving your job and loving the day-to-day and being so happy and, and, and all, all these things. Like, I just, um, I think sometimes there's danger in uh, looking at other individuals and only taking one side of a coin. And what, that, what I mean by that is, uh, and Gary talks about this, you know, a lot, is like there's, Every day is a is a new day, 
And so we need to, and, and America specifically does a, a real job in like, you need to be like that and you need to like, you should look like that and you should listen to that and you should dress like that and you should feel that way and you should take this pill and that pill and everything. And, and I think that the reality is, is that there's this like matrix be between one, everyone's different and two, timing matters. And so even in a world where that people are like t toxic positivity, overtly happiness, obviously the last two years and what that's done to people's mental health, like there's just some weird energy going on in the world right now. And so I just would always say to people like I have like I have days there's, I have periods of time. I mean, I speak to Gary at length about it. Like, it's not like I wake up every day and I'm like, just like my life is like amazing. You know, it's like, mm. there's a lot of things in my life that are not per se, you know, or like yeah. things that I struggle with or deal with or whether it's family or even work or like, and, and it's just like, you've got to, I guess, realize that you got it, it's a the only answer is w from within like there's no external yeah. I, I, what i've learned is really nothing externally can fix <clears throat> it and i think that the the thing about gary and why he's gotten so maybe big or the way his communication style like a lot of his things he talks about is just an, a mirror to be able to have your own conversations with yourself, right? Mm -hmm. There's what people want and there's what people are willing to do to get what they want. Yeah. And by and large, especially coming from a white male that grew up in a suburb of New York City, you know, like coddling or confusion and, and I'm now coming into a realization of like, as, as I'm moving into a place or when I start thinking about having a family like, Parents only want their kid to be safe and comfortable and believe that they're the best God gifts, you know, like to man. Um, yeah. And that's the job of like a mother. Like I'm a mama's boy. Like I'm a mother's, like I'm, I'm a mama's boy. I'm the middle child. I have an older sister, younger sister. Like, so like empath, like very, all these emotions. Like, but like my mom wants safety and comfort and the best for me and, so I guess where I'm going is just like the, the convert, it starts and ends with what you want and are you willing to do what it takes? And I've been around Gary long enough, like the sacrifices, the things, everyone's like, oh, I'd be nice to be that. And when people shit on him, I'm like, no one understands the work that he puts in on a daily basis with himself, the decisions that he has to make. And so I think that anytime when we look at people and think it's all amazing, if it's something that you... Uh, Tain, make sure you understand also there's a lot of things or yeah, other aspects yeah what it takes to get there and also the collateral of some of it mm. Mm. right think about an nba player there's probably multi I, I think about this a lot with like actors or the grammys and the and the um uh, the grammys and the oscars were just yeah came up mm -mm. Or Carlos Alcaraz just won the Miami Open best young tennis prospect yeah. since Rafa Nadal. 
do you think there's nights that he's sat in his room, cried, and wondering if he's made the right decision because he's had friends that he no longer speaks to or, influ- yeah. or, or yeah. aunts and uncles that want things from him because he now has money? It's just there's always other stuff. And so I just worry at times of like, I am incredibly grateful and there's been a lot of amazing things that happened. I've also worked my ass off for it. I have many close friends that I no longer speak to by sacrifice that I have to make like weddings this weekend or not. And then overall, above all that is that you have to be willing to understand that humans change and things change. And we were just talking about you have your own family stuff and plans come up and like, it's just time is also a factor circumstance is also a factor serendipity is a factor in life um and you got to equate all that yeah yeah definitely i think a big thing these days is that it's so easy to look on social media and compare yourself to everybody's highlight reel and like people think that we're living the dream and it's like no there's stuff going on that i'm not talking about and i think that's the same for everybody once you realize that it kind of it can be quite comforting to know that everyone's got their own shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like everyone's dealing with stuff and not everybody's life is perfect, but it is sometimes quite hard to see that because everybody portrays their best things and they don't necessarily always talk about the hardships that they're going through as well. So I think that's the kind of struggle, you know, these days. But Totally. And, no. and we're in a COVID did this messed up thing where everyone had the same issue. So yeah. it's almost devalued people's stuff, mm. issues. And then I think people have a very hard time with, with either confrontation right now or hearing feedback from people or, you know, like everyone is working on something or has an unopened answer of like what is happening or what is next. So mm. whether it's strangers or just like the level of not necessarily mean, but maybe I just feel we're all very defensive right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, oh, I, I, I'm trying to understand a little bit of it, but I just, I think as a macro, humans are like, everyone's got this major issue that they're trying to navigate. And so when someone comes at you about something else, even if it's from a place of trying to help, there's a lot of like biting back. And uh, yeah, I, I just, there's, there's a, but there's a lot of healing in that too. Like, you know, whether it's comedy or, what happened at the the Oscars with, you know, like with Will Smith. I mean, I really, my own point of view, I look at that and I'm like, people haven't taken jokes in two years in person. And it's just, mm-hmm. there's just levels of, of different stuff. There was this kind of vibration that changed, frequency that's changed. And so, yeah, I'm just trying to do a better job at like, it's not always all roses. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good reminder. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that aside, as we started that, then you got into where you're from, what's going on, what have you. I'm currently sitting in Hudson Yards um, in New York City. We've been in this office for about five years now. I think we were one of the first tenants that moved in. I grew up in a town called Montclair, New Jersey. Uh, my mother is, uh, is, I believe, first-born American of Danish descent, went to boarding school in Switzerland, so comes from a very... Uh, just what I would say, like, world, global view. Um, so growing up, like, it's funny now, and, and globalization obviously has happened in an immense way over the last 
20, 30 years and what the iPhone's done and F1 with Netflix. But like I grew up with BBC on in my house, BBC World News, <laughs> you know, like I, I grew up Tour de France was always on the TV, like Premier League soccer has been in my life since the mid 90s. And and so and then on top of it, two doors down, I lived on a five, you know, house cul-de-sac two doors down. Uh, one of my closest friends in the world, Matt Lesniak, moved in. We were three years old. He was, uh, his mother was an immigrant from France. And so they spoke French in their household. And I spent a lot of my childhood in that household. So I just had, came, I had a very kind of worldly view on things. And, I'm, and now as I get older, very uh, appreciative and fortunate for that. The juxtaposition is that my father was one of nine, like from the Philly suburbs, like American, you know, like, and, and so I got a lot of like different, you know, clashes and tastes and, and different things going on. Um, and I went to Penn State. Uh, I was in high school and went to Penn State. I studied hospitality there as like an applied business degree, but I didn't really know what I what I wanted to do per se. And mm. I graduated. I started working at a, a restaurant, a startup uh, like restaurant chain. And that this was when this notion of fast casual was really starting to take off. Uh, fast casual is like Chipotle, like upscale fast food, you know, and like cut out what we'll call like the Olive Gardens and, and you know, Boston markets of the world where you like sit down. And I think that that was a reaction to what I'd call like iPhone culture and business and the always on connectivity. So you couldn't leave the office for 90 minutes and no one was calling your desk and leaving a voice message that you were getting back to. Once you were always on and always available, you were going out getting food and bringing it back to your desk because people would just call you like, where are you? And you're like, I'm at lunch. I'm like, why? you know, that, that was like a change in that. So fast casual was like my thing. I was like, that's what I did my thesis on. It's going to be huge. And once we opened, all I wanted to do was the marketing and communications in and around mm. the, the restaurant. And the person I worked with connected me, bah, 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 and I landed at VaynerMedia. I walked into the doors of VaynerMedia on November 11th, 2013. It was about, I think I was like the 291st employee, something like that. Mm. Companies now maybe 1,700 people. Um, that's eight and a half years ago, and it's been a it's been a wild ride along the way. Was, to say the least. When you joined, was he already famous? Because like Jeremy loves Gary Vee, so I've heard of him through Jeremy, <laughs> but he's not someone that I personally watch and know a lot about. So was he already like a big person that you knew about? Obviously, he had two hundred people in his company. So, so when I started. The November 11th was a Friday because I got invited. I was supposed to start, I, my start date was on Monday, which was November, I believe, 14th. Um, but I got called in to come in because it was like a company, this, what they called Vayner Day uh, on the Friday. And it would be, uh, the whole company would shut down for the day. They'd do half the day working on charitable initiatives through social and like giving our time, energy, and effort to that. And then half the day, like just, talent show party like celebrate the culture so I, that was my first day in the office we're like playing beer pong or like flip cup i'm like this is fucking cool um and then but but so i show up on monday and my point being is that on the sunday of that weekend gary was on the cover of the new york times sunday business uh because he had just released his book called 
Crush It. Mm. Yeah. I believe that was Crush It. And so while Gary wasn't famous, Gary was in this very niche pocket of leading in what we may call online business. When I first started working at VaynerMedia, there was no videos on Facebook. There was no advertising on Facebook, mm. meaning you okay. couldn't buy ad units on yeah. Facebook. Twitter, I was, I probably had an iPhone for two or three years at that point. Many also didn't. Twitter was like an SMS platform for a yeah. long period of time. So these platforms were very young, but he was a mover and shaker on them. He was one of the first people to have a million followers on Twitter, but even when he had a million followers on Twitter, mainstream media was like, what's Twitter? Yeah. You know, so while he had a following, while he was an early investor in companies like Facebook and Twitter at that time, mainstream famous, no. Not yet. Yeah. He had yeah. under 10,000 followers on Instagram. Um, so it wasn't like that, but he had a very dedicated following. What I'll say is he's the exact same person from, mm -hmm. a, from a clarity of his vision confidence in his own abilities to achieve what he wants and the willingness to put in whatever it took to get to what needed to be done. So why did you apply to VenomMedia? Because I was a, uh, a techie kid. I loved Apple. I wasn't a techie kid like a computer like coder. Right. I, we always had computers in my house because I, I loved video games. And so my dad always supported us in terms of like, if I was like really into something enough, he was into it. So we had Dell computers, towers, and then this company Apple was coming up. And me and my dad bought Apple computers. I believe the first one we actually got, luckily I was in a town where they were putting the Macs in like my middle school with the colors. We bought the Apple. And I had an Apple computer in my room in like sixth grade, I think. Fifth, fifth grade, maybe sixth grade. Uh, then the iPhone came out. I, when I turned 16, I had like some bonds that I was like given at birth. My dad it was a financial advisor. He bought me Apple stock when it was $90 a share. So I was just early into like into Apple. As like Steve Jobs, I was like, that dude's a gangster and Apple is really cool. I remember watching the first iPhone keynote. Um, you know, people forget that the iPhone was out for like two or three years before the App Store even came out. Um, and so that led me to Twitter. I, I, was I, I signed up for Twitter, I believe, in 2009. Um, and so I've been on the platform 13 years, almost half my life. Um, and so all that being said, when we opened the restaurant, I'm like, we need, to be, we need to have a fire Instagram account. We need to have a fire Twitter account to get people mm. in here. When I was even in college for like market, for um, our big like capstone for our hospitality major was we had to put on two full scale like dinners, theme, menu, everything. And all I did was like marketed and I'm like, I'll just get it. Whatever it is, I'll sell it out. Yeah. Because I have a lot of friends and I use Twitter and I'll get people to come and, and all that. So when we had the, I mean, the startup, I'd been working there three months. I'm like, I want to run the Twitter. They're like, we have a one person uh, marketing, you know, department. You're not going to go work on marketing or startup. But 
the entrepreneur founder of that whole company called the Taco Truck. His wife was a successful uh, marketing executive. And, ha- and so when I was meeting with her, I'm like, I'm into social. I'm into social. She's like, you should check out this little social media shop that's on the come up. Someone that I used to work with now works there. Connected me there. It was... I'm, Met it was connection one one meeting two meeting interview, got hired. I got hired as a community manager on Brisk Ice Tea. So I didn't know what Vayner Media was. I didn't go looking to be in an advertising agency. I it was just connection connection, and I was like, this is cool. Um, and yeah, and so then I I, I ended up at, at Vayner, and uh, I didn't know who Gary Vaynerchuk was when I mm. took the job. Interesting. That's um, so interesting because now I bet people apply just because it's him. Yeah. They're like, I want to work for Gary. Yeah. In a, in a real way. In a, yeah, in a massive, massive, massive way. So yeah. how, sorry, how did you then go from marketing to being his assistant, which I believe you were? How did that happen? So I, uh, it was like desks. Let's see if you can see out there, right? Desks, rows. This was not our office at the time. We were at a a different office on 23rd and Park. Um, And like most things in life, and when I say to you serendipity and like randomness, I got put on Brisk Iced Tea as an account. Brisk Iced Tea was the first brand to uh, post on Instagram. So the way that it worked is my job was community manager community managers got paired up with a position that was called a micro content producer. Mm-hmm. So the micro content producer was a little bit more of a creative. They could do Photoshop. They could kind of, they were a little bit more of the creative side. The community manager would do the, would post and monitor, right? So one thing I talk about with social is a lot of people just think you come up with an idea, you make it and you post it and that's the life cycle. I'm like, content doesn't, begin until you hit post and then you understand like the post analyzation what's working what's not why is this working what can we learn from it what can we never do again what do we implement into our next stuff so that was a partnership micro content producer and community manager the the uh kenny crocker was my micro content producer partner his roommate was a gentleman named matt DeMeo, who at the time was gary's assistant they were both Jersey boys. Uh, actually, Matt DeMeo was a Long Island kid, but they both lived in Hoboken together, and they were both big Yankee fans. Mm-hmm. We connected over all that. Yankees, degeneracy, whatever, blah, 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 blah. We were homies. So Matt DeMeo knew who I was. I get a call on a random like Tuesday night at like 9.45 at night. I'm living out in Montclair, New Jersey, which is 12 miles west of Manhattan from Matt DeMeo. Hey, could you do you want to play basketball tomorrow morning at 6:30 a.m. in Manhattan? Um, uh, Gary, we need a tenth person. Gary and AJ do these basketball runs. The person just dropped out. Would you want to play? Yes, I want to play. Mm. No, no, no. Listen, do you understand what you're committing to? If you don't show up, I will be fired, and you will probably be <laughs> fired as well. This isn't like a you can maybe come. What have you. Yeah. Like, if you're not there on time, your job's at stake. I'm like, that's dope. I'm, I'm, I'm liking that. So that kicked off me getting, thankfully, my mother used to drive me at 4.15 in the morning. I would take a 4.30 or 4.45 train into the city 
uh, once a, or twice a week, and I never said no to playing in that game ever again, like ever again. Wow. And so what I, I would, that's how I met Gary and AJ, showing up and playing basketball with them. I probably played basketball with them for five months all the time, giving him a freaking all and making sure that, I, like it's not confusion to me, that people, there's a lot that you can learn on the field of competition about humans. And so I showed up, I got to know those guys and just continued to work. It was nothing more than, hey, playing basketball, goodbye, I've played sports my whole life. Like, I know the people I want to play with, I know the people I don't want to play with, I know the people I want to compete, I know the people I want to beat, I know the people that I want to be around and how it impacts business, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then one day I had a random check-in with my manager at the time, which was called an engagement manager. Um, and. I remember vivid as day where we were sitting, what room. She started to say, AJ is looking for an assistant. And I was like, I need that job. And it AJ goes back to my, brother. AJ is Gary's younger brother. He oh, was okay. the COO at the time. And he's maybe three years older than me, two or three or four years older than me. So there's a little bit of a less age different. Gangster, sharp mind as all hell. And just... A beast and for me like I was like one hospitality and service and all that I love and two just being as close to the game as possible so I did everything in my everything in my power to land that role and thankfully I did that was since then it's just been one consistent game of showing up you know what's interesting? Um, I feel a lot of people would hear the word assistant. It mm -hmm. can be, you know, uh, mm -hmm. maybe diminishing, like, mm -hmm. oh, just the assistant. Um, mm -hmm. And I think maybe people don't see the value mm -hmm. that this job can, can bring to you. Uh, but I'm sure you must have learned so much from being around people like them, right? Yeah, I, you know, I think that to your point, yes. Like people think assistant is a demeaning thing. And I think that there's more to work, not necessarily, I, I operate under you get out of things what you put in. And so this notion, public schooling messes up a lot of individuals. Just because you show up, if you get a D, you, at the end of the year, you get a promotion and a raise. Right, so you can be a bat as long as you're literally not like putting the place on fire. Just for being there, you're getting a promotion and a raise. Mm. And I think that as companies get bigger in scale, that's also how it kind of operates at times. I also think that LinkedIn has created this overtly posturing for titles and like clout and, and, and playing to a title versus playing to actual skill. Something that Gary's gotten a lot of flack for over the years is this notion of working for free. And, and why would you want people to work for free? Yet, apprenticeships not too long ago were incredibly honorable. And still across Europe, at a certain age, many times 15, 16, you're 
you have the path and choice to take on a technical vocational education as opposed to a more liberal arts or you know mathematical type of thing That's what my dad did <laughs> and and it's probably been able to build a business and and do things and so this notion of like just because you have a college degree or just because your mom thinks you're the best human in the world doesn't equate to success mm. and my mother because of, I think, her European backgrounds, like, always, like, never let me settle. I mean, in the real way of, like, 98, yes, good job, could be 100. You know, that's good, but, that's great, but. And it, it, was, it was more so, it wasn't a demeaning. It was just always, like, don't be confused about what is left on, like, what you can still do. And then the, the work for free thing, which was, like, what Gary really you know, I guess taught me, but I, I journal and I've always journaled. And since like my first days at Vayner and why I did the basketball is like, you have to create your own opportunities. Mm. Going on this podcast, who the hell knows? I don't know. We might be best friends when I come up to Manchester, like maybe, maybe, and maybe five years from now, somebody, I don't know, but maybe not, but I don't know. But you only know by doing, and, and also it's something I'm trying to now, like with our culture and, and with the office, like working from home is amazing and nice, but you can't tell me it's not, again, like comfort and safety only leads to more comfort and safety. And magic happens in uncomfortability and, you know, like challenging yourself. Yeah. And um, so that, I think that when you, whether you're working for a company or whether you're in school. One thing my father, line always was don't let schooling get in the way of your education. So like when I was paying 32,000, it's a Mark Twain quote, it's a fantastic quote. When I was paying $32,000 for college a year, and it's still student loans to this day, most people don't realize that the professor works for you. You're paying the professor, right? And so I guess what I mean by that is like, I think about college, I'm like the college thing shitty. Like I think college can be great if you go to college understanding that you should be doing everything, the, the work and all of that, like the actual curriculum of school. No, no, no. I think college should be an experiment in understanding how do you utilize resources? How do you get to know everyone? How do you learn leverage? How do you build a relationship with your teacher? Because if you think that a teacher looks at a paper and has a deep relationship with a student or a teacher looks at a paper and doesn't know who wrote it, they're grading it differently. That's how humans work. Mm. When I think about uh, getting curriculums, every start of semester, I would look at every curriculum and I'd pretty much decide what grade I want to get in the classes based on how much energy and effort needs to go into that grade. So if there's, if I need to put a ton of work in to get a B, and there's another class that I don't have to put that much work in to get an A, like I, that was just decisions, right? Like life-based decisions. Like attendance in this class is worth 80%. Attendance in that class is worth 20%. Go to the one that it's worth 80%. Take the time back on the one that's worth 20%. You know, so that, that is what I think college is great about. Um, but I also think that with jobs. Like, and I think that when I employ people, I'm like, great. You want to treat this as a transactional job? That's what you're going to get out of it. 
you want to see this as an opportunity to learn, grow, be mentored, try, challenge, that's what you're going to get out of it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, <clears throat> everything you just said really answer one of my questions I had for you is like, how do you become general manager when you're 29? You know, that makes total sense because basically you had, you have been on an internship for years, basically learning yeah. from from those guys, learning how they manage people, how they operate with people, how they do business and everything. And and by being around them, you just learn from them like a yeah. sponge, and, and suddenly you acquire the skills, basically. And and. <laughs> That's, that's really cool. That's really cool. That makes sense. So the individual that took over for Jeff Bezos as the CEO of Amazon, to my understanding, has been there. He was a CEO, I think. He, yeah, he ran uh, Amazon Web Services before him. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he has been – I'm trying to think how long – how long has Andy Jassy yeah, it's been there for ages, probably, yeah. worked at Amazon? 24 years. Yeah. Wow. 24 years it took him to become the CEO of the company. Mm. And that's a bit of what I mean. Now, has he had good jobs along the way? Sure, what have you. But back to the LinkedIn generation, like if he cared along the way about all the little things, you never would have gotten to there. And so I also think leverage is not taught in life and, and definitely in mm. normal education in terms of how to build leverage for yourself. And I think about all the time, energy, effort that I put in with Gary and one layer and AJ and every single human in this company. That's why I think assistant role is the best job in the world. You just get to help people all the time. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, They're going to be like, all right, so I owe you something, you know, whatever. And it's not so much about the I owe you, you owe me thing. But I think about it as stacking chips, like, you know, even uh, whether it's Ethereum, there's a lot of different ways I could take this. But I think about how many, uh, okay, a piggy bank. You can put a penny into the piggy bank every day and you can take it out and get a lollipop for one penny. Or you can put... A, piggy, a, a penny into the bank for 365 days and at the end of 365 days have 365 pennies and get a lollipop up here. Yeah. And the, everyone has their decisions, but every, most people want the biggest lollipop while also getting a lollipop every single day. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Yeah. So. And that's to the point of where you asked, how do I get to this role at 29? Um, Andy Kay, who's my boy, is the president of VFriends, which is a massive company. Uh, he's 34. He started at the company a bit before me. For the first, I believe, three months, he, he, he tweeted at Gary, asked him to work for free. For three months, he worked for $7.50 an hour, and he's probably averaged 80, he's probably averaged 70 hours of work a week for the last eight years. That's how he got the job. Because mm. because you leave it to no discussion or debate about who the best person for the role is. Mm. It doesn't become a should it. It becomes the only option. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's like obvious. But it's like, well, of course you would hire that person. Exactly. Why and you? and <laughs> the reality though is, but also when people do that, they do it with expectation of what's to come, which can also be dangerous. Mm. Yeah. Because when it doesn't happen, then you just collapse. Because yeah. if you live like no one actually owes you and, and you're secretly just building your own skills and reps, and that's why I say like use your job. There's not just for money though. Use it for your own to get better, your own skills, your own, you know, and that's where it clicks about happiness and doing something that you love because you're actually getting better at something you want to get better at, not what the company needs you to be good at. Mm. Yeah. When 137 um, was created, when, how, how did the opportunity came for you to work for? So I... Um, so we acquired Vayner X. Gary really acquired a publishing, a female uh, uh, lifestyle, women's lifestyle publication called Pure Wow. Um, a gentleman named Ryan Harwood founded that business. I worked in Gary's office, so I knew everyone that was coming through acquisitions, this, that, the other, da, 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 da. Um, when they acquired that, they launched, they kind of rolled it up into this larger publishing company, Gallery Media Group and launched that company 1.37 p.m. It was around for about two years before I took the role, which was I took it almost, I guess, 14 months now or 13 months ago. And we, uh, I was actively searching for the person that was gonna run it to be the editor-in-chief of it. Um, and we just couldn't land on that individual. And so one night late, I called Gary and said, hey, I think I should just do this. And he said, all right, sleep on it. Call me back tomorrow if that's the same decision. And I called him back and that was how that happened. It wasn't even that's a cool. thought, question or debate to be frank. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting Yeah, you were looking for someone and you were this someone basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just knew. Keep going. No, go ahead. Why is it called 1.37 p.m.? Um, yeah, because what happens at 1.37. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, we were just trying to come up with what it was, how we wanted to play it, how we wanted to angle it, etc. And we, Gary, it, it was hot on a lot of random things, but we kind of came up with this tagline, own your future, start this minute. It was about entrepreneurship very much is what the, the brand was rooted in. Um, and... They decided, and the time was at 1.37 p.m. So it's not too much more than that. Okay. <laughs> I actually do remember when he launched. I remember the, the Instagram posts and everything when, like, all the teasing about, like, it's going to be launching at this time and whatever. And Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do remember it now that, yeah, now you say that. It's actually interesting because um, when I first went on the website like, a few years ago, uh, it was blog posts like it was the website with like blog posts about sneakers pokemon cards um hip-hop stuff like that yeah uh, what attracted you in work, having this position what what was your interest there personally? building a brand hmm. that people can I, I i just like brands uh and so to me it's it's about impacting culture and creating a brand that can resonate with people. That's what it's about for me. Mm. Hmm. 
and I guess also the reason is because obviously the topic is appealing to you, right? Sports, yeah, I mean, I, I, I exactly, and and I can you know back to what we talked about with F one, back to what we talked about with uh, Tour de France is like something I think the tour has a real moment that's to come in the next two three years. People are well, you know, the guy who directed Drive to Survive is doing a is doing the eight part series for Netflix. For France, yep, right? and you listen to Car Talk, so you know that I was saying it three episodes before the announcement came out because it's just obvious. <laughs> Just makes sense, you know. Um, Gary just bought a pickleball team. Like, the, there's just uh, the more you are open-minded, you realize that so many people are curious to everything. So personally, I, I've always been into brand. I've always been into culture. I've always kind of been like all that. You know, I've had a lot of great influences in terms of just what I was exposed to. I, I come from a very diverse Montclair, the town I grew up in. You know, like the high school is one of the most diverse high schools in the country, both from a racial but also wealth in the town is like really diverse. So I just, uh, for me, it's about being able to create a brand that I'm pumped about as well as impact a lot of people that can work on the team. I think that that's something that I'm having the most fun with is the hiring and mentoring and but how with. how easy or hard was it for you to suddenly be in charge of a team and hiring people you've been growing so fast man I, I've seen like every time you post about hiring people like it's crazy how the rate you're growing yeah yeah largely because Gary is backing that that with trust um, it's not easy it's again back to the point of like what I started with is because that's a lot of what I would say my energy right now is like, yeah, I mean, it's not easy. Uh, we're 45 people now, you know, that I manage and that ladder up to me and those are thoughts and feelings and emotions. And, you know, I'm not speaking to Gary every day and getting feedback and like, you know, all the things he's always talked about. It's lonely. The buck stops with you. Like, yeah, yeah, no, it's not all amazing and fun and roses and all that. Card talk. Five days before the end of the year, eBay pulled out their, of their sponsorship for this year. That's a, that was a fairly substantial, like, sponsorship. So, like, it's just, but it's, it's, uh, it keeps you waking up, and, and I know that overall we're impacting a lot of people, and the people on the team, uh, there's tough conversations. There's people that leave, people that come back, people that have to get let go. It's just all just one day at a time kind of like in continuous you know, nature, and they're, they're, you have to always be innovating. You cannot, in, in today's day and age in business, yeah. in content, like – if you're not changing, you're not trying. If you're not iterating, you're being left behind. There's just so much. And that's what I've come to realize. Like my role is general manager is to put people in positions to succeed, to be able to do their best work. And then realize that also the time factor. So someone may be doing amazing for six months in a specific position and they have a new interest. And think about this. The majority of people I'm hiring, they were remote many times first job out of college. Starting your first job ever from your bedroom on Zoom is like... Weird. Crazy. 
Yeah. And I'm <laughs> empathetic to that. But like, I also know that if you don't have to be in the office, the likelihood that you sign on at 9.45 compared to 9 a.m. is incredibly high. Mm. And I don't think most people that are signing on at 9.45 are like, I'm going to stay till 6.45 today. Mm. So it, yeah. there's, there's pros and cons with all of it. To me, managing people or leading people, to be frank, is like something that I, I just love. I've always done it. I, or, or attempted to find those positions. And I think that's by and large my mom, like fifth grade president, eighth grade president, president of my fraternity, was on the lacrosse team, the clubs. The, I just like, it was always that. I like speaking, I like leading. And so that's where I have the most fun with is like being able to actually impact. And, and again, back to the fortunate nature of the eight years of being an assistant or seven or six years of being an assistant, I got to know everyone in, in the company. I got to understand Gary's vision. I got to understand what we're trying to accomplish, what we're trying to do. So to me, it's about a much bigger thing than just 1.37 p.m. You know, 1.37 p.m. Is a, is a brand, a part of what we are doing in the overall macro mission of Gary's world. And that gives me the ability to almost play Plinko board and understand that there's a lot of people that come out of this company that it does it like 1:37 p.m. isn't even the right role for them, but you got to mm -hmm. go through the motions to figure that out and learn that. Yeah. Something I wanted to to talk about as well is more like personal than business oriented. Um, mm -hmm. You are the most <laughs> bullish American on football, but real yeah. football. <laughs> yep. Uh, soccer, like yep. they say over there. Um, also very bullish on digital collectibles, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you're very, I would say, ahead of the game on a lot of things compared to the mass population, I would say. Uh, have you always been like curious to try different things, to go where maybe people don't like to go like is that something that's just just who you are in your personality yeah i remember vividly my neighbor uh so on one side was the french household the other we were, it was three of us all the same age um uh, family from uh, more massachusetts area and i remember that the father said to me why won't you stop asking me questions all I did was ask people questions. <laughs> and I think it also came from just like the, my, my, yeah, I, I, my mother, like whether it was going to museums growing up, whether it was going to church, whether it was she does needlepoint and knitting and whether it was going to Broadway shows or whether, like I was just like, my mom didn't let us watch American sports on uh, both days on the weekends and like, has almost a disdain for American sports by and large because it's all whistles, commercial breaks, and advertising. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And so like I was watching like the the American Kennel Club dog show at like eight years old. Like I've been I think some of the best television programming in the world is CBS Sunday morning. Uh, uh, you know uh, like NPR the reason card talk is card talk is because there's a, a famous radio program called car talk on NPR. And so, I don't know, my dad used to take me on two hour car drives to look at the cherry blossoms in Newark. 
I just, I don't know. I, I, it's by and large a product of my environment, and I've always been an incredibly curious individual. And I think that, and that's why we, we changed 1.37 p.m. Our tagline is now for the curious. Um, I think that obviously the explosion of the internet, I, I believe niche is dead. Niche does not exist because you can find niche pockets. What you think is a niche, go to the bonsai forum on Reddit and tell me bonsais are a niche. It's just not true. There's multiple accounts with over 100,000 followers on Instagram around bonsais, you know, like, and and so that's what I mean. Everything is multi-hyphenated, like, and and people have minor micro interests in a lot of different things because there's so many more options nowadays. Um, And so I think that there's a lot of fun in that. Good, good combination when you're very curious, hardworking, and a bit of vision where you can see where things are going. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's a good recipe. Uh, yeah, it's been a fun right recipe for sure. To, yeah. to be at the right place. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. and timing and everything. And, and, but, um. Yeah, I mean, that combined, again, back to serendipity, I believe I'm very fortunate that I got paired with Gary and AJ that see that as a strength because corporate America would see that as a weakness. Like I'm the definition yeah. of get bored of shit after a couple of weeks or months. <laughs> yeah. Same. You know, like, I, have, I have that too. Yeah, I'm like, all right, that was fun while it lasts. Like, yeah. you know, all right, on to the next thing. You know, Everybody and, thinks that's a bad thing, don't they? Like, oh, you can't stick to anything. And I'm like, yeah, but I just know so, I, I know a little bit about a lot of different things because I'm just... Yeah, it's fun correct. For a weeks and then I'm bored and I got on to the next thing. <laughs> My dad, this was a thing with sports too, where Gary and I are different in that capacity. But like last night was the men's basketball championship. And in sports, even as a Yan- the, the number one team I was into growing up was the New York Yankees and they were very good. But when it got to the World Series or any series, I'd be like, Dad, who do you want? Like, He'd be like, we want game seven, ninth inning. We just want a good game. We want a good performance. I don't care who wins. I just want mm. good entertainment. And that also gave me this, like, like, it is what it is. I just want to see yeah. some good stuff versus, like, damn it, that didn't happen. Like, that's the end of this. Like, what have you. I get just being able to make light out of, like, oh, that's cool. I, I, I believe I genuinely can find interest in anything. Take this box. One thing I used to talk to my dad a lot about. And this was a big thing in Apple was their packaging. Like, yeah, it's an experience. Now think about that. Like the amount of time that people are like packaging. There's people out there that are like literally going crazy on that. That's kind of, yeah. I mean, just why, what is Expo? These are famous, you know, dry erase markers. Yeah. On their caps, they have this little like swoosh thing. And I think it's for grip, but I don't know why. But I'm interested to find out why. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun being curious like that, though, because you'll just Google random things <laughs> and just know lots of random... But then also, like, that swoosh being on that top of the lid thing then, at some point in three years' time, I'd be like, oh, well, I could, you know, I'm inspired by that lid that one time. And, like, Correct. it's interesting how things all come around and inspire each other. And Yeah. When life is fun this way also like rather than seeing you know the i don't know the boring side on everything you can also choose and it's a choice to it see is. 
to investigate, to be curious, to dig or not into X, Y, Z, whatever. Uh, but it makes life, you know, a lot of people complain about my life is so boring. Yeah, I'm doing the same every day, the routine, blah blah blah. When you can find new things to challenge yourself every single day, even mm -hmm. if you do the same things every day. Yeah, yeah, you and everyone has the thing. The beautiful. We're all different. We're all into. There's different triggers for everyone. The beautiful part about curiosity is you have far more at bats at finding what it might be. Mm. Yeah, that's been really cool, Tyler. Thank you so much. Really this enjoyed been this fun. With yeah, you. yeah, this has uh, been a lot I've of fun. I've got one last question before we yep. wrap it up. Before you ask that one, I have a question. Yeah. Amazing. This might be a bit random. I'm asking, but so would you say that you and Gary are friends? Yes. Family, is I'd go weird? so far as to say. Is it weird that you're friends with someone who's got such a huge impact on other people's lives and like spouts so much wisdom and so much innovation and so much forward thinking and like he's such a huge, like for Jeremy, he's a huge inspiration. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, is it weird to like have his number and be able to call him and be like, yo, Gary, what's up? I've got this idea. Or do you not see him as that? Is like, ha I don't know. <laughs> it's not, it's not. Uh, it's not weird. Um, it's not weird, which is also why, I, to be frank, like I think, which is part of why. Oh, because it works. Because you're it not works. like idolizing him, mm. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I um, it goes back again to my to my parents. Like, there's a lot of people that have impacted. You know, my father, like the postman and the ice cream man, were two of my dad's like homie like mm. I, I saw him always interacting with those people or a waitress or a waiter or we belonged to the tennis club you know growing up and he was always friends with like the youngest employee that just started like helping them out and then my mother always made me say hello to everyone like always made me you go to a friend's house, you walk into the kitchen and you say hello to the parents and you say, thanks for having me there. And, and so I kind of like started to learn and realize that my parents were very open with me as, as a mm -hmm. child. Like they always like told me how they saw it. And can, there's like a complete, you know, different path, but like the notion of cannabis and alcohol in this country and alcohol being propped up and then what it does to people and then yeah. cannabis being seen as the devil mm. and what it does to people and then learning at seven years old that that's all a crock of shit and that yeah. people that are drinking vodka and are messing shit up like everyone like back to everyone has their stuff i yeah. don't view i just believe he is so dialed in on what he wants to accomplish, the willingness that he's willing to put into it. Like, that's what I kind of maybe look up to a little bit. But I've been around him enough. I, I, I don't have that much more interest in him versus 40 other people. Mm. So it's not weird to me, but it's definitely, uh, I'm aware of it. I'm yeah. super aware of it. I'm also aware of why people want to speak to me at times. Like, I'm not... Mm confused about like I get calls or texts or this or that you know and but yeah he's just a genuine like friend I think of him as like an older brother of mine mm. 
Yeah. That's and it's cool. Happens. And when you're yeah. close to it, it's like. I guess that's the thing, because it just becomes the pet, like, it's just Gary. Like, it's yeah. not. It's just a friend. It's just someone you work with, someone, yeah. like. And um, it's back to, like, the point I was making about the sacrifices, like Carlos Alcaraz or, you know, the impact. I have close friends that don't like Gary. Mm. Now, we're not as close as we used to be because I've made my decisions, but those are like sacrifices and thoughts that you, you have to deal with. Um, and so, it, it, no, I don't. I, I don't. I, and, but it also doesn't, I'm not um, caught off guard when people are like, oh my goodness, you know Gary. Like I understand mm. the impact. I mean, yeah. I've read more emails than you know what to count, like than you'd want to know about hey, I was suicidal, like literally in the act, and I just put your video on, and you saved mm. my life. Yeah. yeah. Right. Awesome. Back to your final question. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, no, 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 that, I, that, I like it. That was a, that, it was a good question. It was a very good question. I don't but, – but I think also it's why it worked. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. how do you, like, idolize and be like, oh, my God, it's Gary Vee, and, like, worship the ground he walks on and, like, yeah. take everything he says as, like, magic. Then you, you can't be do able the job. To say, oh, actually, I disagree with you on that one because yeah. you'd just be so enamored yeah. with him. Or who wants someone around them all the time just telling you you're the greatest thing in the world? Now, yeah, he might actually say he does, but, like, I learned that. Like, you got to know when to give the love, when to give space, when to understand, you know, and that's back to the assistant thing. Like, back yeah. to hospitality – I think it's very honorable to be in service of someone. Mm. If you yeah. understand that it's honorable. Mm. There's a lot of uh, au pairs that love that relationship. And, and mm. it's a really symbiotic relationship because there's like helping a family scale like what they need. You know, I always thought of it as service of those people that think it like. I'm in service of that. Um, so, yeah. So, we ask this question at the end of every episode. If you could have a conversation with anyone, dead or alive, famous or not, that you think is the most interesting person ever for you, who would you pick and why? My mother's father. My mother's father. I never had the opportunity to meet him. Uh, he had a heart attack when I think he was in his mid-50s. He... Uh, had businesses all over the world and the way that my mother speaks of him mm. is uh, that is the single answer yeah it would be my, my mother's father yeah I don't, I don't know you. any of her family um, really there's like just a lot of dynamics there and mm. yeah he that would be my answer fun fact that's always my answer my really? mum's dad also had a heart attack in his 50s and I never met him. And my grandma is still madly in love with him yeah. 40 years later. So, yeah, yeah. No, same. <laughs> That's amazing. That's fun. Yeah. I love that you came out with it straight away as yeah. well because some people are like, think uh, about it. <laughs> yeah. and they're like stuck for a minute. But I love that you were like, no, straight away, that's who I would talk to. Yeah. The things I would do for that conversation are, um, yeah, just about yeah. anything. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been wonderful talking to you. And we should just hang more often. Yeah. yeah no, thank you. Thank you Let so much. Let us know next time you come to Liverpool or Manchester. We'll make yeah. the journey and come and visit you. I uh, will be sure to. Hang out. Thank you That'll so much cool, for taking yeah. the time. Yeah, thank well, you. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will see you again next Wednesday. Yeah.